When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. It is Wednesday evening. October 12th, and we are in week six of your NFL season tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland. I'd like to welcome first-time guest, uh, my boss at the Browns Wire, the new managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire, Corey Kinnon. Corey, how are we doing this evening? It's good to be here tonight. That was quite, quite, a, quite a flattering introduction, so I'll take that anytime I can get one. Of the course. The best part of being guests on podcasts is they really fluff you up. So yes, that it's it, a nice it is. Self esteem yeah. boost. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. So uh, off to a great start at the website. You're writing like a maniac. It's crazy. You guys blow me away with how much you guys write. Uh, as Jared did the same. So uh, enjoying the four downs and all that stuff. So excellent stuff. So um, want to get into some interesting stuff here tonight as we are. You know, and a flux. It's interesting that I, I named the episode tonight, and those of you that will see the thumbnail that watch it on YouTube, and those of, the, of you that listen on podcast, um, you know, making sense of the madness. This is the second episode that I've done like this, called it this, and once was during the off season when we basically became a uh, court TV uh, podcast for a while when we were covering Deshaun Watson. But now it is the... Uh, you know the madness that is this Browns team at this point, at the, as they are two and three, and we look to Week Six where they will host the the New England Patriots on Sunday. But a maddening first five weeks where they could be four and one, five and zero, oh, and even maybe even worse if K. Dork misses in Week One. So a v- wide variety of outcomes the Browns could be at, although they probably have played good enough football to be a lot better than two and three at this point. Um, The defense was abysmal on Sunday, Corey. um, And strangely and oddly, well, I'll get into more of this in a minute here, but um, not strangely or oddly, but Andrew Barry makes a move before Sunday night football is over. Kind of unprecedented stuff there. He goes out and gets Deion Jones, who was on the IR, but is in practice today. Um, Can you elaborate a little bit on what you think about this move as far as him, uh, the player? You know, he was a pro bowler a couple down years, but that may be explained away a little bit by a change in scheme over there. Um, so t- tell me what you think of this move and, and maybe what it means for the Browns. Yeah. So I think the the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about this move is just how non-consequential it is to make a move like this. So again, all they gave up was a sixth round pick for Deion Jones and a seventh round pick. So they, they basically swapped a six for a seventh and got a former pro bowl linebacker who, yeah, you mentioned it was, was abysmal in 2021. Like there's, there's no way around it. He was abysmal. But he is a two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he has a knack for getting into passing lanes. He has the athleticism. He he has some some staggering highlights where he's dropping deep into coverage and picking off passes down the, like 15, 20 yards down the seam. So yeah, uh, there's something there. But again, it, the, the move is so non-consequential because next year, yeah, his his base salary is eleven million dollars. His cap hits twelve million dollars. Sure, but he's owed no guaranteed money from the Browns. So again. This goes south this year. It doesn't make a difference. Okay, that's great. He was a rental for eleven weeks. See ya. Have fun exactly. at the next stop. So, again, you, you you swapped a six for a seven for to upgrade from Jacob Phillips. So again, it's it's a low risk move with the reward being exponential. Uh, if if you can get him to return to the form of what 
uh, of what he's been. And again, what he's been is if, if you look at his numbers, he, this guy like rattled off years with like three interceptions, two interceptions, one interception, two interceptions, three interceptions. It's just like, yeah, this, this guy makes plays in coverage. Uh, but is, is it a move that is going to, is going to reinvigorate again? Uh, he's only 27 about to turn 28 next month and in a couple weeks here, he's going to turn 28. So, you know, th- th- he's still got some juice in his legs. Um, I will say it can't get much worse than what we've seen, what we've seen from Jacob Phillips. So, uh, that, uh, that video, I don't know if you saw the video of Katie York missing the kick and Andrew Barry and, and Jimmy Haslam walking straight into the tunnel after that yes. kick. I yes. can imagine like Andrew Barry, like scrolling through his contacts in the tunnel as he's walking back to his office. Immediately. Right. right. Goes um, right to the pocket for his, uh, his <laughs> list of guys. Yeah. Right. Right. So again, it's, it's non-consequential low risk, but potential to be a, a big boom. If, if they can get the Dion Jones of 2020 of 2019 of 2018 to, to reappear, uh, because I mean, if you look through his coverage grades on PFF, like even 2020, which people considered a down year, he graded in the seventies. He graded, yeah. he's graded in the seventies, the nineties and seventies. So he's consistently good in coverage. And for a team that has left the middle of the field open way too often, or have, a, or, or have been fielding linebackers who just don't have a feel for when a, a crosser is coming back behind them. I think, I think that's going to be a huge benefit. Just having a linebacker who clearly has a feel for some of that stuff. So yeah, so I, I kind of dug into him a little bit, right? Like, so he did, I mean, his Pro Bowl years came with Dan Quinn in a 4-3, right? So he fits the scheme, and his best years were in this 4-3, and then they switched things up over there, and that's kind of when he fell off, right? They went to a 3-4, uh, where he was kind of the, the crash-and-dash linebacker, and his body couldn't really take it. There, there before he comes injuries, and injuries kind of pile up on him. And you saw his play decline. So can you get him back in a 4-3 in Cleveland where they like the lighter linebackers, the guys that can run, the guys that can cover, um, and know what you're know what he's doing? Now, he mostly played the will linebacker there, but he has done some green dot and some some middle linebackers. So, Mike, do you expect him to come in and play the mic right away? If, I mean, he was in practice today, which was shocking to me. Um, after just being on the IR from shoulder surgery, I, I, right? I understand correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He did have shoulder surgery at the end of last season. So but that was kind of a stash move by them, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know if I expect him to have the green dot, at least not this week, because when you go from one organization to the other, you're talking sure. about the same, the same stuff, but the lingo is different. The hand signals are different that you hear Joe words talking about, you know, we reduced it to just hand signals versus calling two plays and multiple different signals yeah and so it's going to take him a little bit of time to get like to understand what's coming from the sideline if he is that green dot and being able to relay that to his teammates i would think eventually that would be the case because i i mean this move clearly says they want to get jacob phillips off the field and currently jacob phillips is the guy who has that green dot so i don't know if that go, that means john johnson is it's going to go back to john johnson who had it for a few games last year you know yeah. he had it a little bit last year uh, if they're really looking to get Jacob Phillips off the field or maybe JOK, they, they say, okay, JOK, you're on the field every play. So we'll see there. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think if he does play, his snaps are going to be limited. He's not going to come in and play, you know, 80% of the snaps right away. I wouldn't think. Um, if he does, that tells you just how desperate they were to get a different middle linebacker on the field. Um, but I think, especially coming off of injured reserve, you know, he hasn't played at all this season. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to get a, a healthy dose of snaps this week, even if he is active. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. Is he probably needs to uh, another week or so to get all the language down and all that, and get his legs underneath him and, and so forth. Now, I guess you know my question about this move then comes back around to what does it really mean? Like, okay, yeah, we know it, it doesn't cost anything really. It's a very low cost, high reward move in a situation where Jacob Phillips, you, you wanted him to come in and step up. He played a really good fourth quarter against Pittsburgh and really has been dog shit since then on his tape. He's bad. He's getting boxed out. He's overrunning plays. He's taking bad angles. He's just been very bad and uh, leaving the middle of the field wide open. Uh, he blows, the coverage, you know, in the Atlanta game to Zacchaeus uh, as he lets him sneak in behind him when they're in cover three. So all kinds of a bevy of mistakes pile up on him. Um, There's a whole faction of Browns fans out there that are pounding their fists to have Joe Woods fired. Now, I don't see like, I get it, right? I get it, Corey. Like, I get the frustration and the anger. I just don't see 
what it would do. Like, who are you going to replace him with? One of his disciples who's going to run the same stuff and probably isn't as qualified to run that stuff. So I just don't see a, a better answer. And that's why I'm kind of like, eh, just let it play out. And yeah, they did start off slow last year and come around to be like a top five defense by the end of the year. So maybe give him a little bit of a leash here. Does the Do you think this kind of a move is like, do you think this was demanded by Joe Woods? Do you think was this was Andrew Barry saying, Joe Woods, I'm giving you no excuses because I'm going to give you another player? Like, what do you think this sends a message to, uh, like reality check to the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, so I think there's a little bit of element of both of that. You know, I think, I mean, the Browns right now, if you're looking at DVOA, Football Outsiders metric for efficiency, like the Browns are bad defensively. Yeah. Against the pass, they're sitting 16th, and against the run, they're sitting 32nd. They're the worst team against the run of football right now. Um, And so I think there comes a point when you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what is going on? And I think Joe Woods knows that. I think Andrew Barry knows that. I think Kevin Stefanski knows that. This move does kind of uh, ring to me as like somebody was probably in Joe Woods' office after the game saying, what do we need to do? Because something's not working. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I, I like I liken it the same way. We've talked a little bit about Mike Prefer a lot, not a little bit, a lot over the years of like, what does he do? What's his yeah. role? Special teams are terrible every year. Yeah. And then this offseason, they go out and get a kicker, a punter, and a return man, like all, all three, then knock off all three in the checkbox. And I think that was, um, de facto of like Andrew Barry saying, Kevin, like your guy isn't, isn't getting things. And Kevin going to him and saying, listen, man, we're not getting results on special teams. What do you need? And he said, well, I don't have anything. And they got him everything. They yeah. got him everything. Uh, and so I think, uh, Prefer probably came into the season, the last straw. And I think this is one of those last straw things for Joe Woods too, where Andrew Barry probably went to Kevin and said, Hey, yeah, it's it's not working. What what's going on? And he went to Joe Woods, and Joe Woods probably said, "I need a middle linebacker who can actually feel out the position." Um, because again, we can talk about assignments, and I mean Jacob Phillips isn't even assignment sound, but you'll see <laughs> linebackers who are good at assignments, but they don't have a feel for the position. So they know, oh, I need to fit a gap here. I need to you know drop curl flat here. But there's a different element when it comes to okay, this is cover three. I know I'm dropping curl flat here. In this situation, we usually run cover three. So this team probably knows we're running cover three. They're probably going to run a crosser behind me. I got to feel that out if I pass somebody off vertical. That's different than just knowing your assignment of I'm dropping flat, like curl flat. That, yeah. that's, that, that's a whole nother level. And I have a feeling that Joe Woods is like, well, I can't do anything with that middle linebacker who has a feel for this position. Yeah. Um, and so this is a low cost move where the Browns said, okay, if I had to guess, again, I don't have sources. I, I'm not inside the building, but no, yeah, I, I tend to kind of felt the same way about it. Like I was like thinking about it, and even today, listening a little bit to um, Stefanski's presser, and you know, he was like, "Oh, we don't send messages," and but like, you know what? It, it's a message to somebody somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I know it may not be, you know backhanded or you don't operate that way but it certainly means something because it's not a normal move right this right. isn't an these kind of moves don't happen in the middle of the season or after a game on a sunday ever so it means something right right it, it, exactly it means something the timing is 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 wild and again it could yeah. been one of those things that the browns have said you know when anthony walker went down they called atlanta that thursday night and said hey sure we we're interested in dion but we want to make sure he's healthy and it could have been a timing thing where Atlanta called and said, Hey, he's ready to, he, he's, he's healthy. We're ready to activate him. But like, even if that's the case, you let some, you let it die down a little bit. You, you don't just like make the move, you know? So, uh, yeah, sure. They don't send messages, but the timing says otherwise. So, so, so this other guy they picked up, I was laughing so hard at Stefanski's presser today. I don't know if you heard it. Did you listen to it today? I have not. No, I've not okay. gotten around to it yet. So, so they, they, um, <laughs> They asked him about the other guy they got, right? The defensive tackle, Tyler Davidson. Um, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yep, Tyler Davidson. Yep. Tyler Davidson. And he's like, yeah, uh, they asked about Deion Jones, and then somebody, I think, Grossi or somebody asked, like, hey, you know, what What about Davidson? Is he in the same boat? You know, da-da-da. And he's like, uh, yeah, did we sign him to the practice squad or the 53? Like, he didn't know. He asked the press that today i was like what the hell is going on but anyways uh really weird um 
especially from him. So, yeah, he, uh, what do you think of him? Is he a guy that can help? Um, I mean, he he has a history of being an, of uh, being a nose tackle at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, and so he's one of those guys who, if you look at his data again, um, was really good in his last couple of years with the Saints. Um, under Dennis Allen, Dennis Allen is now the head coach in New Orleans. He's been the, the defensive coordinator for a while. And he was yeah. very good in 2020. Or I'm sorry, 2019 with the Falcons. Yeah, in terms he of played running. with Jones, right? Yes, he in did. In front of Jones, yeah. And then that 20, 2019 was the last year of Dan Quinn. And then 2020, 2021. So, uh, wait, no, 2020 was the last year of Dan Quinn. I'm off on the timing on that, whatever. But, so he's a guy who's been, he's been productive on good teams. Um, he's not a pass rushing guy. Like, he's, he's not, but right. who cares? He's 6'2", 309, and he's traditionally a nose tackle who stuffs the run. And he has three pretty good years of doing so. 2020, 2021, not so much. Again, he's on the practice squad for a reason. They didn't sign him to the 53. Uh, but I do think Davison screams kind of the player that will get elevated on game day. So, you know, not immediately signed, but same with Chester Rogers, who mm -hmm. he's been returning punts when they elevate, elevated on game day. They're allowed to do it three times before he can't be elevated anymore. And if they want to play him, he's got to be signed to the active roster. Right. Give those young guys three weeks and saying, hey, this guy's going to come up and take some of your snaps for three weeks. You got three weeks to prove that he doesn't deserve your snaps full time. Uh, and that plays 10, 15 game, 10, 15 snaps a game in base. So the Browns hate running base and they've had to run a lot of base. They've had to put Taki Taki in the field a lot because of their linebacking situation. Um, but traditionally they play base 12 to 18 times a snap, like 10 times a game. Yeah. That's it. When they're matching yeah. personnel, really, uh, they're going to get a heavy dose against new England because new England runs a lot of, a lot of was, heavy sets. So I was just going to say that they're going to be in it a ton this week. Right. And, uh, Atlanta, new, England. and new England runs the football very yeah. very well so and, and they're heavy personnel hunter henry played almost every snap there's always a tight end on the field plus they do a, a lot of tackle eligible stuff so they're going to be really heavy they're gonna be in a ton of base this week so yep. maybe you bring him up this week if he, i don't know is it was he's right off the street davidson he was yep yeah he wasn't on a team up to this point so interesting um yeah he's a former fifth round pick back in 2015 he's played his entire career in new orleans and atlanta but um Again, he's a guy who has, at some point in his career, been been good at stopping the run and good at tackling. And it's two things they're very poor at right now. So yeah. I don't think he's going to get signed to the active roster anytime soon. I think they'll give him that three weeks where they can where they can elevate him and, and give these younger tackles like Tommy Togiai, who I probably think is probably first up on the chopping block of those of those four Agreed. guys we're talking about. Um, I mean, it puts the pressure on, on Togiai. It says, hey... Here's a guy we're going to start giving snaps to. We don't have to sign him for three more weeks, but after three times of elevating him, if he's playing well, we're going to, we're going to keep him on the field. And that means we got to, we got to find a roster spot somewhere. So um, short term, elevate him, play him 10, 15 snaps when they come out and you're trying to match heavy personnels uh, and go from there. Uh, but again, it's a non-consequential move. You signed him to the practice squad. So like, there, yeah. there's no, there's no guaranteed money in that. So a uh, non-consequential move that has the ability to at least, Again, it can't get worse at stopping the run on game days. So, like, signing Tyler Davison and trading for Deion Jones, it's not going to make it worse. At worst, it's going to be a net neutral move. And if it's a yeah. net neutral move, then you cut bait and you move on. Yeah. And you didn't give up anything, so it's a, it's all pure upside. And, and it gives you the opportunity to maybe, maybe plug a little bit of a hole where Anthony Walker left a monster. Boy, we... I mean, mm -hmm. he was playing the best football of his career, but we just mm -hmm. didn't really focus on it enough. And boy, is it showing now, huh? So uh, you're listening and watching All Eyes on Cleveland, um, making sense of the madness with special guest Corey Kennan. Corey is the managing editor at USA Today uh, Sports Media Group, The Browns Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Corey Kinnan, K I N N A N. Uh, Corey. The analytics said, and we we talked a lot about this on the show this offseason, and the, the devaluing of the defensive tackle, right? Or the run-stuffing defensive tackle specifically, right? Like, yeah. hey, the Browns may look like they're subscribing to this invite-you-to-run is the best way to go, right? Like, Or at least we're not going to invest a lot of 
of capital in this position because if it invites you to run, hey, you know, that's better than you throwing on us, right? And, and right. Was, that was kind of like the, the new thinking this offseason. They very close to, after giving up monstrous yardage, could be at four and one and they'd be saying this is a super success, right? right? Like we've let teams run all over us and we've won four games with a journeyman quarterback, right? They right. could be saying that, but that's gone the other way and they haven't been able to stop the run at all, which was, I was kind of like when, when we gave examples, I used the Chargers game as an example. Yes, you can invite teams to run, but you can't give up run like the Browns ran against the Chargers last year, right? Like, you can't give up right. 14 a pop. Well, that's right. what they did. That's what they're doing, basically, now. So, uh, how do you look at that experiment at this point? That analytics experiment where we said, okay, we're just going to roll with these guys, hope they're good enough, and if it encourages guys to run, then it's a win. Well, you're 2-3. and three. You're very close to being a lot better. How do you evaluate that? Yeah, I think you have to look at it as a failure. And again, Atlanta, Miles Garrett, and Jadavian Clowney, Gone. and David yeah. Bryan didn't play. Like, yeah. that's a different story. But the Chargers were the 30th ranked, like the 30th most efficient team running the football coming to that exactly. game. Exactly, yeah. And Austin Eckler had 100 yards rushing at the end of the first quarter. Like, there's, there's that's that's pitiful. <laughs> that's pitiful. Um, so, I mean, I think you have to look at it as, as a, a, one of the rare Andrew Barry failures. Like I think yeah. coming in, we said, how did he neglect wide receiver? And how did he neglect defensive tackle? Turns out wide receiver has been okay. This Brown is team just scoring points up there with the chiefs and the bills, like offensively they're scoring points. Uh, and that's not an issue. Uh, but defensive tackle, we're saying, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, because traditionally all they, they, they've gone for are gap shooters. They would just want people who can push pockets. Yeah. Which, neither of the guys they have right now are pushing pockets either. So that's right. an issue on, on its own regard as well. But uh, I think you have to look at it and say, yeah, sure. Invite them to run. But like, there's a difference between like averaging four yards a carry and 14 yards a carry. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're going against a team in new England. Now, again, they're not going to have Damian Harris, uh, but I don't think that's going to stop them from, knowing what to do against the Browns. No, especially because <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson is an absolute beast in my mind as well. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be a handful in, in this game. You know, we'll I'll, we'll get to this game more in a minute, but the, New England strikes me as, I think, a 2019 where the Browns should have been in it longer. Weird game with the Chubb fumble and all that, right? You remember after he was like – it was like he was yeah. so pissed after that – first fumble he just ran through the entire defense and then what fumbled on the five or something if i recall yeah. it was a really weird scenario and then they ended up getting like pouring down rain you yeah know, nasty game it's it may get nasty this week too it may be kind of a uh am i wrong i thought i saw that it might be nasty on sunday Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, let's check that out. It's in Cleveland, so Cleveland yeah. weather. Yeah, I think uh, we may be looking at oh, another. Sunday's looking at sunny, fifty nine and sunny. So okay, all right. I I I heard wrong. I was informed wrong. It's my <laughs> it's Mikey's fault. Come on, Mikey, get it together, buddy. Uh, but yeah, no, they um, I mean, this is going to be kind of a slobber knocker. I think on Sunday, right? I mean. Uh, probably the fastest game of the NFL season, maybe, if they just run the ball at each other all day. I don't know uh, what you think is going to look like. I, I think, I mean, once again, the, the Browns are two-and-a-half home favorites, which doesn't say a whole lot. That's pretty much a draw if they were on a neutral field, right? So right. Um, I don't know. What do you th What do you make of Sunday's game? Oh man, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's the best passing defense they've faced all season. Yeah. Again, the Patriots aren't super good at stopping the run either, so yeah, the Browns might be able to to get theirs on the ground. I mean, I think the Browns can get theirs on the ground against anybody, though. Like that's yeah. that's how good I think this Browns running game is, both uh, with the offensive line. Like they've had guys pick it up. Like Jedrick Wills and Ethan Posick are playing 
very well for this team right now and yeah. in both phases of the game you can clip one play from jed wills if you want post it on twitter but for the most part this dude's playing really good football uh i think they can get theirs on the ground against anybody um but again this is what we're talking about i just saw a stat the browns again are, they're scoring points up there with the the, the bills and the chiefs yeah patrick mahomes josh allen those explosive offenses and they have a point differential of negative 14 yeah so again, there's no margin for error. So, and it's it's crazy because you, for me, I would say, oh, they need to get into a two score lead to feel good. They got into a two score lead against against Los Angeles, and their margin for error was erased. Again, every offense has three and outs. Every offense has scoreless drives. But when you have a scoreless drive and you give up seven points, then that's where it's like, okay, yeah, our margin for error is no is nothing. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I I've been on the 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 mind frame that I, you know, as long as Jacoby doesn't turn the ball over and they can control the clock and they can stay within seven on the scoreboard. It's, I'm, I'm feeling good, but they've done that in three games and they've lost three games. So yeah, it's, it's a guess, frustrating place to be. I guess my biggest concern, because even those games that we're talking about, they probably should have won if they just, you know, handle the situational football a little bit better as a whole. And, and somebody comes up clutch and Jacoby doesn't throw an idiotic interception and things like that. Right. But like um, the thing that worries me the most about this game is just that Belichick's team centric, you know, uh, attack week in and week out has kind of stymied the Browns the last two times they faced them. And he's known to do that, you know. He's known to just have know the right things to dial up to shut you down. Um, interesting stuff here. We were ta- you were talking a little bit about the offensive line. Let me bring this up. I was looking at this before you came on. So uh, PFF here's a little PFF segment segment for the uh, for the week here, folks. Uh, those of you listening, I'll try to be as descriptive as possible. So uh, Browns. Offensive line moves up to second in PFF rankings, uh, partially because of Ethan Poach's play. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Cleveland's line was excellent against the Chargers this past week, allowing little in the way of pressure and dominating the run game uh, for the second outing in a row. Not No linemen allowed more than two pressures in the game, and Joel Batonio finished with a 91.9 run blocking grade upcoming opponent new england and if we just scroll down now the number one offensive line in the nfl is the eagles which isn't really a surprise i would put the the browns right up there with them with how multiple they are but this is their evaluations right and they, they they're pretty good uh so new england at four though as uh best offensive lines so uh, the patriots have been dominant uh, line was dominant against the Lions defensive front. That's not saying a whole lot. That has been disappointing so far this season. No lineman was responsible for any pressure allowed. Uh, the group fares less well in run blocking, as you said, uh, but was still above average as a unit and spectacular on individual plays. So interestingly enough there. And then on the other side of the uh, Mikey, where the, there it is. Here's kind of what you were talking about earlier. The Browns are 30th. This is an EPA on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Browns are 30th in the NFL behind, uh, in front of only, pardon me, I'm going the wrong way there, folks, uh, in front of only the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks with a .060 EPA per play allowed, 29th, I guess that is, 30th wow. ranked in the NFL. Um can't Not stop pretty. giving up big plays in the passing game. They might just have the worst run defense in the NFL. Cleveland has surrendered the fifth most yards per reception at 12.5. Rookie Martin Emerson is the team's highest graded defensive back at 72.7. Among a uh, stable of established players, John Johnson at 50.3, Denzel Ward at 39.8, and Ronnie Harrison at 56.6 among them. Uh, A talented group. They acknowledge that, but certainly not playing up to snuff, as we've talked about. I mean, those grades are horrendous, uh, Corey. Terrible. Might be the fastest game in NFL history if both these teams are on the ball as well as they can. Yes. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Um, okay. Deshaun Watson back in the building, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been asking this question, question to a couple of people. I got just a couple more with you here, Corey, and I'll get you out of here. I don't want to take your whole night away. Um, uh, 
back in the building so he can return to practice on December no November mid-November right yeah it's like November 14th whatever yeah. that Monday is yeah okay what in the hell are they gonna do how are they gonna get him ready like so i've been talking about this on this show for a while so like i had this idea and tell me if this is even possible because i don't know tell me if i'm out of my mind i might be crazy sometimes i say really fucking stupid shit on here so like i kind of said you this is a special situation you have to treat it in a special way Mm -hmm. you get like a shell group of guys and get him work off to the side. Don't even like set him up as your QB two and have him do his mental reps. He has to physically take reps right. with somebody on the side, and that's like the best. And then eventually, as you get closer to playing by week and whatnot, you start to work him in with the ones a little bit and a little bit more. Um, that would be the best plan that I could come up with. What do you think they're going to do? What do you have in mind? Yeah, I, I think it's important to remember that's only two weeks until he's allowed to come back to practice. So we're, we're only talking about a two-week span, which yeah. I guess when you say it like that, I mean, that's, that's you know, they practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the most part, or when those injury report practices happen. Yeah. So and I guess that's still a handful of practices. He's not. But I don't think you can take reps away from Jacoby Brissett. Like, exactly. I yeah. guess it depends on what the where, where's the record at at that point. Yeah. Uh, where's the record at at that point? I still think, I, I tweeted this out the other day, I don't see a game the Browns aren't going to be in until the last few minutes like they have been all all five games so far this year. I don't see a game, maybe Buffalo. That might be the only the, the only game they yeah. can't keep up points-wise. That's That they might be down more than a score, more than two scores uh, with five minutes left in the game, whatever. But I think all these games are going to be really razor thin. And so I, I came into the season saying they need to win five games with Jacoby to feel comfortable. Last year only one 10 win team made the playoffs or was it only one nine win team? It was Pittsburgh who made the playoffs, but they had a tie. Yeah. So like I felt like this team needs to win 10 games and you have to give Watson at least a one game error. That back half of the schedule is pretty poor where Watson comes out. We got Houston, Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh to close it out. Like Baltimore, Cincinnati. Yeah. Those are toss ups, but like New Orleans has been bad. Washington's been bad. Pittsburgh has been bad. So, And I think you can you can split between Baltimore. So I think again, five games that gives you three more. And I think New England's winnable. I think this game is very winnable. I thought last week I felt good about last week's game. I thought they were going to win that game. Yeah. Um, Miami's winnable, especially depending whatever their quarterback situation is looking like. Sure, Tampa doesn't look like world beaters this year. Uh, Cincinnati doesn't look like world beaters. So like, I think they're going to have a competitive record by the time that. November 14th rolls around to the point where they're going to say, I don't think we can give you reps, man. Um, Cause so, we got to compete this week, but that first week he's back at practice, they are playing Buffalo. And so if they want him to get live reps, he could be the scout team quarterback. There's not really an injury risk of being a scout team quarterback. So okay. go emulate Josh Allen for us this week. That's kind of a little bit of his play style as well, where he likes to operate outside of structure can make magic. Sure. So, there are opportunities for him to get live reps. Um, but again, if, if the Browns are going to be close to, to where they need to be by the time he comes back with Brissett, I don't know how you can take, take reps away from Brissett when you got the bills and the bucks as those last two games when he returns. So how do you get him work? I mean, do you, do you just get him work on off to the side, have him run routes with guys, Anthony Schwartz and company, uh, that, that don't aren't really in the game plan on, on air or what? I mean, is I that think the you best give you those can QB2 do? Reps. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they give QB two reps every week. So Josh or Josh Dobbs is getting live reps too. You know? Yeah. That's but not, I, that's I mean, it's not really it's not much, substantial, but no, I, but if, again, if there is the record is, is going to be as competitive as I still think it's going to be. Yeah. This yeah. first half didn't, didn't go the way they, I mean, I thought they needed to be three and one, uh, three and two by this point in the season that didn't really happen. You know, we're one game away from that, but like, but the the schedule does not look as hard as we thought. Like no. we t- we did, I did a whole show about this. That that the schedule does not look as hard as we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. It has totally changed. Right. So Deshaun might have to do some of those mental reps. He might have to to stick around in the film room with, with Jacoby. Uh, that yeah. might be how he has to get the majority of his work. Because again, I don't think 
Yeah, you can't. I, take, I don't see how you can. You, you can't cannot. take him away from Jacoby. Yeah. Right. Right. Can you work him in? But what about bye week? That's a good question. So the bye week is before he's allowed to return to practice. What is it? Yeah, the bye week is after the Bengals game. So October thirty first, there's the Browns play a primetime game. Oh, and then they son of play a bitch! It, isn't it? That sucks. Yeah, so he's allowed so. to come back the week after the bye. That's terrible. All right. Um, I didn't even think about that. That's awful. Hold on. We got somebody. somebody maybe he, maybe he can hang out after practice. But again, you can't take live reps away from from Jacoby. I just I, you can't do it. You can't do it. I agree. Um, couple questions here. Throw up. What about the likelihood of a guy like Deron Payne? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It is very against the mindset of this philo- the front office's philosophy to trade for a guy you would then immediately have to pay. Yeah. So that's the double like Deron Payne is, is in the last year of his contract. Washington is looking likely that they aren't going to pay him. I could be wrong on that. Well, I think Deron Payne's in year five. Um, so I, I don't think it, the likelihood is high that, that the Browns are going to double pay, that they're going to trade assets for him and then turn around and hand him a contract. Especially so, at that position, yeah. I don't, I don't see that as a as a possibility of what's what's going to happen here. Yeah, I, me neither. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting. So, all right, last thing on Watson. Then, so we both agree that you can't take reps to get away from uh, Jacoby, but you can try to fit Watson in where he, you know, get in where he can fit in, right, a little bit, and get him as much action as you possibly can. Now, what about the week that he makes the transition, or the week before? Can you like? ramp it up a little bit like 75 i mean jacoby then is only going to play one more week who do they play that week is that the buffalo game so they play buffalo the week he can return and then the bucks the last week that jacoby will be the starter okay so the bucks then so the week of the bucks can you like you know scale him back to like 60 40 i mean i don't know that's tough right because you got to get him ready to play i mean you can't you got to get Watson ready to play somewhat, right? Like, get him some reps with the ones. You have to eventually, yeah. Uh, again, there are no off weeks in the NFL, but it is the Texans that first week. I, I don't, I don't know, man. It's a difficult question. How do you it's feel? Really about tough. Staying competitive, but also saying we know that there's a guy who's coming back that we have to get live reps for. It's really um, tough. I, I, I don't know because right now he's a lot of strength and conditioning. How how fluid is that? Like, yep. can he throw passes inside like the artificial turf in the indoor facility? Is that technically strength and conditioning? Like, what, I would love to know those questions. What is like, right? <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't know, man. It's it's a tough. I get the feeling like all we're gonna get from Stefanski is we have a plan in place. Yep, and yep. and we're gonna stick to that plan. So we, yep. we won't know, but it's an interesting topic. Um, Corey, good job here tonight. I appreciate your time, man. Um, I was going to ask you one last thing before I let you go, and then uh, Mikey screwed me up. Oh, we may have lost I, Corey. For- yeah, I'm here still. My webcam is thank you oh, sometimes. That's so okay. Here. <laughs> You're here. Um, all right. So... Denzel is out. I don't think he's going to play this week, right? Concussion protocol? I would say if he's not out of the protocol by tomorrow, he's not playing. Right. I, I just figure with everything yeah. going on, he's highly likely yeah. not to play. Greedy returns to practice, but I don't know if he's ready to step in and play, you know, the snaps that, oh, there you are. Uh, yeah, uh, going wild again. This yeah, it's okay. That's all right. <laughs> just blame it on Mikey. It's, it's our producer's fault. It's what we do around here. Um and then, uh, so is it going to be? What, I mean, AJ Green going to snap into some snaps here? I hope so. I think it's it's probably going to. I mean, if Greedy's back, I think it'll be Greedy. They might start really? Martin though. They might start Martin though. Uh, yeah. Again, Martin's playing well, and oh no, I don't Martin's know how been you fantastic. Would yeah. Take all of his snaps away. So if Denzel's out, it might be Newsom and Emerson, and then when they run nickel dime, they'll kick Newsom in and have greedy and, and martin outside with yeah. some in the nickel um okay so i think that that's probably what what 
we're looking at if i had to be yeah honest. if 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 greedy's ready i figured that's probably, that sounds about right i just didn't know if they'd consider him ready you know with just he just got back what today or yesterday so um and he's technically not even activated yet so he's, yeah yeah so but yeah that's that's i mean you i would figure they would start martin or mj and um uh, Newsom on the outside and then kick Newsom in as they have done, which I am still not, I still am not like the biggest fan of, of that way they do that. It's a little backwards. I would almost rather have a dedicated, uh, nickel guy, you know what I mean? So, but either way, this is the way they have elected to attack it this year, Corey. So, um, but yeah, I just do you have any thoughts on that before you go? I mean, I I asked a couple people about this, but it's kind of backwards, right? Like you traded away Troy Hill. I know it's some people say it's progressive thinking because of the way that that offenses use their wide receivers now, right? In, in the slot all the time and not and stuff. So using one of your better corners in there is a little progressive thinking, but I mean, if you're if you're uh, Greg Newsom's agent, you know, you're certainly keeping the receipts on this because, you know, nickel corners get a quarter of what an outside corner does, and he certainly is qualified to play outside corner. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, but if you look at the kind of body types of the other corners in that room with Emerson, with Greedy, with A.J. Green, they're all kind of longer, lengthier corners. Sure, yeah. And... So obviously when you're playing the boundary, you have the boundary to help you out on one side. And so that you, you can really limit the amount of change of direction that you, that you have to do. Yeah. I don't think boundary. there's anybody, I don't think there's anybody there more core, more qualified. Maybe Grant Delpit, but I mean, you don't have another safety you can throw back there if you move Grant Delpit into the nickel. So yeah, I, like, I think Newsom's yeah. The most qualified guy you can throw in there. But that's my oh, problem, dude. right? Like, yeah. I get that he's the only qualified one, but how do you end up with your, like, stud corner who was terrific on the boundary last year as your only option at nickel? Yeah. It's weird. I they, yeah, I think they felt confident with the, the, how the, NFL receivers move. Yeah. The teams will move, you know, elite receivers to the slot. They felt like, well, we have Newsom who can kind of travel slot, slot with these guys. You know, Tyree Kill plays out of the slot a lot. Like, oh, that gives us an advantage. And, you yeah. know, we feel good about the guys who can play on the boundary. I, I don't know, but, um, yeah. It's just kind of backwards. Like, I get it. Like, it makes sense when you think of it like that. Like, exactly like you said, right? Like, I mean, they the offenses are going to move their best receiver all around. And, you know, Justin Jefferson's of the world and whatnot are going to play in the slot a lot of times. And, and as you mentioned, like Tyreek Hill and stuff like, so yeah, having him already in there is an advantage, but, um, it's just, it, it makes it difficult. I think for a guy to like step on the field and have to play on the boundary is a little bit different than knowing your role when you're coming in to play more of in the nickel. You know what I mean? Um, it kind of mixes up your roles when you're asking a guy to like cross train a little bit. Um, I know it's all being a corner, but it's just a little... It's it's not your typical way of going about it, right? Right, it's not. Um, and the Browns again, they've built their secondary back to front um, for yeah. for that purpose. Uh, but it's it's definitely not typical. Definitely not typical. It's interesting. Uh, all right, Corey. Any final thoughts here, man? I appreciate your time, Corey Cannon. Follow him on Twitter at. Real Corey Kennedy's fantastic with his film work. His writing is excellent over at USA Today, Sports Media Groups, The Browns Wire. He's my boss. I report to him. I write for him now uh, when I do write. He probably wishes I wrote more. Uh, but I'm always on here talking to you folks. So, But I appreciate your time, Corey. And uh, thank you so much for coming on finally. And we get, finally get together and chat, talk some ball, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brad. Anytime. Anytime at all. Of course, I will have you back. Uh, I mean, you know I'm going to hold you to that, brother. So, all right. Uh, have a lovely evening, and uh, we'll, we'll get you back on soon. All right, man? All right, sounds great. Thanks. Corey Kinnon, the uh, managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group, The Browns Wire, doing an excellent job here tonight with us on All Eyes on Cleveland. Hope you enjoyed the show. He was very good. Um, you know, 
it's interesting stuff about Watson. It's just interesting stuff about the way that they've used Newsom. Like, I know you can't point to the way they've used Newsom in the nickel as part of their defensive problems, but, like, to me, it's, like, a larger issue maybe with Joe Woods, right? Like, okay, you're asking, like, ask guys to be good at things that they're, like, that you know that they're good at, right? Like, you, you take a guy... It's hard to find a guy that's as good on the boundary as Newsom was last year. But then again, you get an MJ Emerson come in, and he's playing like a dog too. I mean, the problem isn't your young corners. The problem has been Denzel Ward, who's out with a concussion, and you paid him $100 million. So it, it's tricky, man. And, you know, a lot of people are upset with Miles Garrett this week, and, and – there's some clips going around that are trying to allude that maybe he wasn't playing as hard as he could have on certain downs and things like that. Listen, I don't doubt Miles Garrett's fire at all. Like, I I, I think that he uh, plays as hard as he can. I do think that he has issues with asthma, and we've seen it in the past, and even probably back to, like, I don't know if it's the cause of it, but like even back to when he had COVID, remember he had a real tough time coming back. He wasn't the same that year. And then he's had, you know, it feels like they have to give him breaks on the sideline to get his air like here now and then um, ever since then. And I don't remember that happening before that. So I'm not a doctor. I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn Express or anything like that. I just am telling you like, my observations i'm not saying he has issues but I, I think that they have disclosed that he has some asthma before so maybe that's it um because it seems like they try to get him adequate rest here and there which they should for your for your edge guys but um they seem to want to take him and Clowney off the field at the same time i don't know there's a lot of things that that joe woods does that confuse me um ben uh Thank you for your comments tonight, sir. The offense isn't our problem. Got to fix that defense. Yeah, there's no question about that. I will address this before I get off. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I wrote after the game on Sunday night about Kevin Stefanski and that I thought that he was taking more heat than he should have. And a lot of people have, will point, have pointed to me like, listen, your team loses, it's on the head coach. Okay, yeah, you can say that. You can be like, yeah, the defense wasn't good enough. The special teams wasn't good enough. That ultimately falls on the head coach. But, like, that's more of like, if we're being realistic, that's more of like a high school football, college football view of things, right? And I know you can do that at the NFL level because ultimately – the head coach is the leader of your team and in charge of everyone, right? And including the coaching staff. So it does, yes, you can technically blame him for that. But he wasn't hired to come in and run the defense, right? He was hired to come in and run the offense and be a leader. And by being a leader, hey, those guys basically tap a defensive coordinator that they trust and like and they want him to do the job. Along with Andrew Barry, they made the decision to tap Joe Woods. And he's had his moments. Last year, they were, once again, I'll reference, they were a top five defense and looked ferocious at the end of last year. That's what we thought we were getting this year. The, 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 uh, the choice, two choices, right, by this front office, two choices that I questioned before the season. One, to not address defensive tackle to play this analytics game like we talked about with Corey where we're going to just let invite teams to run on us and we're not going to address that with any assets at all. And we said in the offseason, okay, yeah, you invite teams to run. That makes sense because they're not throwing the ball, so they're not, you know. But if they start running on you like we, like the Browns ran on the Chargers and, tip, you know, here we are. We ran on the Chargers the same way, and they ran on us the same exact way. 10, 14, 15, 10, gashing you up and down the field. Then that's a problem. When the one of the worst running teams in the NFL can come out and run for almost 200 yards 
with with their back, that's a problem. That's not just inviting the run anymore. You're you're losing the game because you can't stop the run now. It's not. It's gone from a cute little analytics ploy to it's a problem, right? So that, as Corey said, that's a fail at this point. Even though you're close, you're close to being four and one and saying, "Hey, we got away with it, right?" We didn't address defensive tackle at all, and shit, we're four and one. We were five and zero. Oh. They're close to that, but it didn't work, right? Now, on the other side of things, I was like pounding the table, wide receiver, wide receiver. This wide receiver room is not deep enough. It's not good enough. I was wrong, right? Like the defense, the the offensive weapons have been fine. Chubb and Hunt have been great, and Joku has lived up to his contract so far. Amari Cooper has been fantastic. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been good. And David Bell is is now taking on the lion's share of the of the snaps at wide receiver three. You see Schwartz like maybe twice a game out there. Uh, and I still get mad when I see him on the field, right? Like, and, and we even talked about this last week. They, they don't, they're not running go balls and things like that down the field. So you don't really need him. When they take their shots down the field, it's because they schemed them up and they took one on third and two, or they caught them in a defense where they like they like what they got, right? So they don't really need that pure speed to stretch the field. This 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 offense has been impressive, right? So like coming down hard on Stefanski, yes, I know you wanted him to run a sneak on, on, on fourth and one, but believe it or not, listen to Joe Thomas. Like that is one of the most go-to run plays in the history of short yardage run plays, what they ran with Kareem Hunt on the fourth and one, and, and Teller just slipped and missed his block. I mean, I get it. And they were they were set up to play the sneak. They were diving all inside on it. Like, I, like he's not he's not an idiot. There are reasons for things that he does, and sometimes he may be wrong, right? Like, that may have been a poor play call ultimately by the outcome you can say it was and a lot of this stuff is very revisionist which is why i'm like yeah of course you feel that way because look at the outcome but if it would have turned out another way you wouldn't feel that way i'm saying look at the outcome of the offense it's really hard to blame the guy that you brought in to run your offense call your offense and he has taken what he has and molded it into like top three on a lot of metrics offense in the nfl with up there with the the bills and the uh, Chiefs and whatnot, and blame him for these losses that really have come at at the at the feet of Andrew Barry, in my opinion, and also Joe Woods, right? And, and some because you you rolled the dice on this analytics that we're going to invite people to run, and then you lost Anthony Walker, and there's no depth there. And, and the defensive tackles you had to start aren't very good. And then they have to miss a game without Miles and Clowney, and, and you're completely exposed, right? Like, so yeah, uh, I I understand that, yes, you you have every right to come at me on Twitter and come at me where if you see me wherever at a game or whatever and say, you you know what, I think you're wrong about Stefanski. I think he's horrible. I think he's a piece of shit. I think he's the worst coach I've ever seen. I think you're wrong, Brad. He's terrible. And you can say, and I can say, why? Why? Why is he so terrible? And you can say, because he's in charge of the team, and the team's 2-3, and three, and they should be 5-0, and oh, or they should be 4-1. and one, And the defense has sucked, and the special teams has sucked, and ultimately that comes down on Stefanski. You can say that and get away with that. But is that really what's going on? Let's be real about it. Is that really what's going on? Is he in charge? Is he really running the defense? No. Like, like... Is the fact that that Ronnie Harrison can't let a ball roll down to the one yard line on special teams Stefanski's fault, or is that on Mike Prefer? It's on Mike fucking Prefer. How can you not have your guys know that? And and, and the fact that Cade York missed two field goals and an extra point that have contributed to losing games now, like is that on Stefanski too? Like. Come on, man. I mean, the guy is dialing up a butte of an offense. Give him the credit. That's why you brought him in here. You didn't bring him in here to tap the guy. Oh, we we want to hire Stefanski because we'll th- we think he'll pick the right defensive coordinator. And if he doesn't, we're going to kill him for it. That's bullshit. 
That's like college football, high school football shit. Let's dive deeper into this stuff, folks, okay? And those of you that call him a terrible play caller and his play calling is bullshit, then I don't know what you're watching because the offense has been fantastic. And I'll leave you with that. If you hate me and you want to tell me I'm stupid, and believe me, you can say that. You can say, hey, he's in charge of the team and they lost. You got to have somebody to blame. It's him. Somebody said that on Twitter. And I said, it's honest. That's honest. That is honest, right? You can blame Stefanski because he is he is the fucking head coach. So everything that happens out on that field ultimately, in the end, falls at his feet. But is that really what's going on? Like, are we really just going to... Is it? That's kind of lazy, right? That's kind of a lazy opinion, right? Like, oh, well, shit, they lost. It's Stefanski's fault. Stefanski's a piece of shit. I hear people calling in Ken Carmen every morning. Stefanski is the worst play caller I've ever seen. Look at the offense. It's like ranked up there with every offense out there. Like, they are so efficient. And they are so good. And their passing game is terrific. And they move the ball up and down the field. And they've even been good in the red zone. And, and you know, Njoku and Cooper and all this stuff. And all this with Jacoby Brissett. And Jacoby's been playing fantastic. Don't get me wrong. He deserves a lot of credit. But when guys play good, when quarterbacks show out, who do, who gets the credit normally? The OC, right? Where's the, I mean... I guess I just don't understand people that are like, oh, he's a terrible play caller. He's he's the worst. And I get it. I get it. Yeah, ultimately, you can blame him for the losses and everything like that. But and and I'll get I'll even give you Atlanta like the situational football decisions he made in Atlanta. That was not his finest week. And we I said that on here, admitted that. But like you can't tell like people that keep saying, oh, he's a piece of shit because the defense is shit and ultimately he's in charge of Joe Woods and he hasn't fired Joe Woods yet. What's well, all no, it's a lot more complicated. It's not that simple. It's not that simple and it's not that easy. If you fire Joe Woods right now, you're going to end up with Tarver, your linebacker coach, who's never been coached a down in his life as a DC in charge of a defense running the same scheme with the same players. How is that better? It's not. It's not. You're not going out and getting some legendary defensive coordinator to come in in week five for you. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be one of his disciples taking over. So I get it. Yeah, and it may come to that, right? Like me and Corey just talked about it. Like I think some of this going out and getting Deion Jones and Davidson is, is like, hey, listen, somebody, like Corey said it very well, somebody probably sat down in his office and said, Joe, this can't continue, man. What do you need, right? Same, he did, he, Corey also referenced Mike Prefer, same thing. Mike, what do you do around here, right? Like, what the fuck do you do here? Oh, you're the special teams coach. Well, what do you need this offseason? Oh, we I need a kicker, a punter, a returner, Jakeem Grant, York, Barquez, right? No more excuses, right? No more fucking excuses for these guys. Because here's your guys. So this feels a lot like that. Here's Deion Jones. I'm sorry we lost Anthony Walker, but here's Deion Jones. Here's another defensive tackle. It's time to fucking figure it out, right? You've got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Either figure it out. Like, I I agree with you that Joe Woods is trending in the wrong direction for sure. A lot of what's going on is inexcusable. But, like, losing last week, Jacoby Brissett throwing that, idiotic interception and then Cade York missing that kick like and everybody wants to throw that at the feet of Stefanski after he's called a hell of a game and they've marched up and down the field and scored with the Chargers all game long when your defense was terrible I find that hard to do maybe I, you have every right to disagree with me but there we have it this has been All Eyes on Cleveland. Huge shout out and thanks to Corey Kinnon at Real Corey Kinnon, managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Uh, my name is Brad Ward. Mikey behind the virtual glass has been doing a fantastic job. If you would like to join the text club of All Eyes on Cleveland, it's a Browns text community. Text E Y E Z E Y. 
easy to 31032 is running across the bottom of the screen now. Thanks, Mikey. Uh, and you get a chance to win a free T-shirt. You will be included in all upcoming polls. And right now, we're currently asking you, who would you like to have on as a guest on All Eyes on Cleveland? Who, who would you like to have on? Let me know. We will effort them with the most vigor that we can. So thank you very much for listening tonight. And uh, we will be back tomorrow night right here, All Eyes on Cleveland, with Christopher Price of the Boston Globe to talk about Browns versus Patriots. Christopher Price of the Boston Globe joins All Eyes on Cleveland tomorrow night. Thanks again to Corey Kinnon at the Browns Wire, where I work as well. He is our new boss over there. Uh, And uh, thanks to Blue Wire Podcasts for everything that they do. Uh, For Mikey on the ones and twos, my name is Brad Ward. Thanks for watching. We are out. podcasts.